Welcome once again to Mets at the Movies, the podcast that talks about movies from celluloid to digital and everything in between. Today we're going to be talking about the 1992 indie drama film, Where the Day Takes You. Now, if you don't know about this movie, that is totally okay because I didn't know about this movie at all until a couple weeks ago when it hit Netflix and I saw the cast and I thought, wait, wait, what? This cast is in this film and I've never heard of this film before. So the other night I thought, you know what? I'm feeling I'm feeling like a drama tonight. And I threw this on because, again, the cast really, really drew me in. But before we get to the cast, I want to talk a little bit about the director himself. Now, it was directed by a gentleman by the name of Mark Rocco. Uh, Rocco was not his original name. It was Mark King. reason why his last name is Rocco was because when his mother remarried an actor by the name of Alex Rocco, who has done a ton of films. He's one of those pe- people that, if you don't know his name, that's you'll know his face. His biggest role was as Mo Green in the Godfather movie. Now, he adopted Mark, and then Mark took his, la- his, his last name, hence the name Mark Rocco. But unfortunately, throughout his career, Mark only directed four films. And, th- and this was because in 2009, he passed away in his sleep at age 46. Now, after watching this film and realizing that he only did four years, I was obviously saddened to hear that he passed away. I was also a little saddened to realize that I enjoyed this movie. I liked what it was saying. I liked what it did. I liked how it it, it was shot. I liked how it looked. And I would have liked to see where he would have gone with a few more roles, with a few more movies under his belt, with a, with with some more practice, with some more stylizing look at things, it would have been interesting to see what he could have accomplished later in life after he had kind of learned the ropes a little bit. And he was part of the Directors Guild um, training pro- program. He was in there, so he was learning from some of the best when he was young. Um, he was even... He was even brought into the Directors Guild by Scorsese and Oliver Stone. They recommended him to the Directors Guild. So when you have those two people and you've been trained by some of the people in the Directors Guild, you kind of have a really, really strong pedigree that you can build on. A lot of names that um, you can go to for help and assistance. Because we learned today that even some of the biggest directors nowadays show their films to other directors to see like hey you know a set of fresh eyes what do you see and when your eyes are some of the best directors of all time it would have been really interesting to see where he would have gone and where um, his stories would have taken him now as i said this movie was an indie movie it made the festival rounds it was one of the festival darling films it went to all of the big big ones it didn't really get a major theatrical release and it's opening weekend it only opened in 93 theaters. Now, today, when we think of opening wide, you're looking about 2,000 plus. Uh, anything 2,000 plus is considered a wide, a, a wide release. So for 93 theaters, it didn't do too well. It only made $200,000, and it had a budget of $3 million. So this wasn't one of those movies where you need to make a profit on it. It was one of those festival darlings that you were trying to get some awards talk. You were trying to showcase your talent, showcase your actors and actresses. But you weren't really interested in making a massive profit. You want, I mean, you would have loved to make a profit if this movie went on to make $20, 30000000 million. 
They would it would have been great. They would have loved it, but unfortunately, it didn't. And it did get good reviews, though. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four, which Robert e- Roger Ebert is one of the, in my opinion, best film 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 critics of all time. And the fact that he would consider it a three out of four, pretty good. Now, one of the things I mentioned that really drew me to the to the to this film was the cast. When I saw the ca- cast list on this, I thought this is incredible. And I say incredible now because we're looking at over, you know, we're we're we're, we're, we're looking at ninety two. And right now we're in 2017. So a lot of these actors have already either had their big breaks or are still in their um, big times now. But back then, these people, like some, some of these people, it was their third, fourth, fifth role. And they weren't huge names. You didn't know them at the time. One of the reasons why it cost $3 million. But the fact that he was able to, him and his casting director were able to put together this group of people not knowing what we know now is is amazing. It's like you'd almost think about if he was still able to do that today, if he made a film today, what young talent would he use that be 10, 15 years from now, we would think is one of the biggest actors or actresses in the world. I mean, right off the bat, he started with uh, you, your first introduction to the film is you hear the voice of Laura San Giacomo, who, you may, again, you may not know the name. I mean, you might. But if you don't, she's done a lot of voiceover work, but her big break was she was the lead in the TV show, Just Shoot Me. That was, that was, that was where I knew her from. That's where I kind of found out, and I was like, oh, okay, I recognize the face. Your next lead uh, is Dermot Mul- Mulrooney, uh, he's, he's, his one, one of his first big roles was in Young Guns and later in his career, he ended up doing a couple of rom-com mo- mo- movies, a few with, uh, Julia, Julia Roberts. One of the most well-known one is My Best Friend's Wedding. Um, then you also have a young Sean Astin who I have to say in this film looked like he worked the hardest out of everybody. Um, I mean, his story arc was was the most depressing part of this story arc. Just some of the things he went through, some of the things he did. I actually felt like his character was more so of this film than other people. I thought his character and what he's going through is how deep and dark I wish this this movie would have went. And Sean, Sean Astin, I mean... You should know his name. He's Rudy. He's from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Recently, he was in Stranger Things, and he's just and he's a really good actor. And to see kind of where he started and how well he was able able to do when he was younger was great to see. Another person is Balthazar Getty. Again, you might not know his name, um, but he was in Young Guns too. He was also the kind of younger candidate in Judge Dredd. I know a lot of people didn't, didn't see Judge Dredd, but I really like that film. But uh, he was also in Lost Highway, and he had some guest appearances in Twin Peaks. Now, you'll find out that there's quite a few Twin Peaks people in this film. But the one thing I got to say about him is, if you, if I didn't already know that he was not related to the Sheens, I'm talking about 
Charlie Sheen, Martin Sheen, Emilio Estevez, you would have thought he was the younger brother to them. Just how he looked, his mannerisms, the way he sounded, the way he talked, the specific words he used at certain times. I mean, he was a sheen. It's almost like before this role, he went to watch a bunch of Charlie Sheen movies and a bunch of Martin Sheen movies and thought, you know what? That's what I, I want to do. Because he, all I kept thinking was, is this, is this guy is this guy related to Charlie Sheen? It was, it was amazing. And I mean, in the 80s, Char, Charlie Sheen was one of the biggest actors in the world and one of the best actors. So that's not, not a knock. A funny small role in this film as well is Will Smith. Will Smith doesn't have a big role in this. He doesn't really have a big part in this, but he plays um, a person living on the street who has no legs, a kid living on, on the street with no legs. And it was just funny to see Will Smith like this young because he he had just come off of, he had recently come off of six, six degrees of separation, which people saw him in that and thought this kid is going to be amazing. And then a couple of years later, he goes into this and he doesn't really have that big of a role in this. I mean, it's it, it, it's an impactful role to the story because of his, of a specific scene, but it was it was it was fun to kind of kind of see him not have to carry a movie. Another person in this is Ricky Lake, who some people will know her from Cry Baby. I know her from the from the Ricky Lake show. That's where I first learned her. And again, this was early in her career before she started doing more acting. She's done a bunch of work with the Broadway show Hairspray. I know that she was in the movie Hairspray when it was released a few years ago. And she also did the Hairspray live action that was just on TV. Uh, Another one is Laura Flynn Boyle. Most people know her from Twin Peaks, another Twin Peaks. Uh, she was also in The Practice, and for younger fans, she was the evil villain in Men in Black 2. Um, another name, another Twin Peaks name, was Kyle MacLachlan, who, uh, who started doing this just like just before he did Twin Peaks. He did, did this. So a fun thing to see is watch those first episodes of Twin Peaks and see how he acts and compare it to this. He's a completely... D- different character and it's interesting to see kind of the choices he made in each roles because they're so different another name is adam baldwin who most people know him and i know him from firefly uh, the tv show firefly and he was also in the tv show chuck again these are like i'm still going through the cast list like this is how good the cast list was for that time another name who not as big as the other actors and actresses but for a lot of people she's known for one specific role at least for me she's Ra- rachel ticotin i hope i'm pron- pronouncing that right but she was the lead f- female not um not his not his wife but she was in total recall and that's kind of the only role i know her from so every time I see her in new roles, it's kind of neat because all I know her is from this one role. I liked her in that role, but I, but I always find it interesting when I see her in newer roles. And finally is Alyssa Milano, who most people know from Who's the Boss, Charmed. She was the daughter in Commando. Um, she has a fairly small role in this too, but I mean, she's in this as well. 
So we're talking already some great actors and actresses, like incredible. Not only that, but you have a couple of guest appearances that are in a few scenes. You've got David Arquette, Stephen Tobolowsky, who, if you don't know his name, or if you don't know his name, you know his face. He's one of the, he's 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 an actor who is you feel like is in everything, and he's really good in a lot of stuff. But you also have a cameo by Christian Slater, which I think I'm pretty sure was in here because uh, him and Mark did a movie together. I don't know if it was just before or just after. I think it was just before. I think it was his first role or first um, movie that Mark did directed. And I think that's what really gave Christian Slater the interest to do to do to do this film. But he was in a guest role. So I mean, just look at that cast. And again, at the time, this is a cast that I don't know if anybody. I don't think anybody was the 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 drawing force to this. Nobody was going through and 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 saying, "Oh, you know what? Have you seen did this movie? So and so is in it." I think I mean it was made for three million million dollars. So I mean these people are getting paid, and this was and this is a fairly big cast. And I'm not even talking about some some of the other actors and and actresses that didn't have bigger roles in this film, but did have some significant parts. So just the cast alone is what really what drove 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 me in. Now you're probably wondering, okay, we get it. What is the movie about? Well, I'm going to tell you what it's about. So this movie is basically a movie about what it's like for young people who live on the street in Los Angeles in 1992. Its main character, Dermot Mulrooney, his name is is King, and he's just released from three months in prison. So he comes back to... LA, meet up w- with his friends and basically kind of figure out what's going on. He's now released. What is he going to do with his life? He's a young 20-year-old hanging hanging around who's been on the, on the street longer than most people. And he hangs around with a lot of younger people. And he finds out that his girlfriend, unfortunately, was killed. Now, I'm not... I'm not. It, it, it's not ruining the story for you because you learn that within the first 20 minutes. I'm not going to ruin the film for you at all. And what he ends up having to do is um, he goes up against his nemesis in this film, essentially essentially his nemesis. And through about half the story, it's focused around him dealing with this other guy who killed his, who killed his girlfriend. And in the backdrop, you're introduced to Laura Flamboyle's character, who ends up becoming his love, love interest. Um... And through about half the film, it's basically that story. And then something happens and it switches the story and it opens it opens the story up to other characters. So Sean Astin's character and Balthazar Getty's character end up getting a lot more work in this film because something happens and it builds in their story. And then they start going off and doing other stories as well. And what I like about this film is it de- one. It de- what I like about the story is I feel like it depicts realistic life living on the street for young people. Now, when we think of people living on the street, 
we think of the poor uh, adult individual who's just given up on life, can't uh, can't get a job, looks disheveled, looks dirty. Um, the hair is hair is m- messed up, and that's kind of what we think about when we think of the poor or p- people living on the street. And I can tell you, when I was traveling through LA this year, I'll go more on that a little bit later. Um, that's kind of why what you saw. But what you see here are kids who are living on the street because they find it freeing. They actually enjoy living on the street. They want to live on the, on the street. They don't want to live at home. And you may th- you may be watching this film and thinking like, this, you know, this is a little too upbeat for a movie of people living on the street, of drug use, of all the other stuff going on. But you have to kind of look at where you are, like like where the characters are in this film. And the characters chose to be on the street. A lot of them chose to be on, on the street because their life at, at home was way too rough. They couldn't stand it anymore. Um, some of them are maybe spoiled kids, and this is how they and and this is how they rebel from from their parents who try and give them ev- everything. So it tends to lean a little bit more to the lighter side, a little more often than you would think. But it's because because of the care characters, and the characters are also what really kind of kept me in in the film. Because when I was first starting to watch this, I would say for the first half an hour, forty five five minutes. I was thinking, you know what? I don't know if I like this. It might be a paint by the numbers, lighthearted romp through the f- through kids living on the on the street. But because it it spends so much time with these char- characters, as you watch the film, I I got about the halfway point until I started realizing, actually, no, I like this film. I like the char- characters. Any other, you know, another filmmaker, a lesser f- filmmaker, could have injected um, over over the top plot lines, um, scenarios that that really wouldn't happen, just to make this a film. But you felt like it was a do- documentary at times, and you felt like it was real, and that's what really drew 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 you in because Laura San at the start. Um, this movie is basically, she, she's interviewing King because she's doing a kind of study on kids who live on the street. And the movie starts with her recording an interview with him. And then he tells the story, he tells a story about things that, that happened. And then it goes to what real, what is happening in his life. And then periodically it jumps back to her interviewing him asking like hey you know tell me about this tell me about this girl girl you met or you know um have you ever thought of doing prostitution no i haven't and then when it goes back to the lives of the kids it starts focusing more on the prostitution storyline so those interviews are the intros to what you're going to learn next uh, or what they're going to be talking about next and it was a little interesting i did feel like it should have been a little longer. I would have liked it to be a little longer and and with more focus on the lives of some of the other care characters. Um, like you get more backstory and more character de- de- development in Sean Astin than I think you get in any care any character. I think Balthazar becomes a bigger story, but it's so but he but so late in the film 
that some of the choices he makes and some of the things he go he goes through, I couldn't connect with fully because I thought that it was just such a drastic change that I didn't see the buildup. Like everything, everything happens for every decision somebody makes in life is decided based off of previous decisions, previous experiences. So some of the things that ha- happened to him, I would have liked them to introduced a little earlier. Um, they were they were introduced so at at at, at a point you understood why things were go, going on, but it didn't have as much impact because, in my opinion, because of you didn't know know too much. I thought it was more for shock value at at that time. So I'd have liked to seen a little bit more character de- develop either either do character development if you're going to grow these characters or make this movie strictly about what is going on in the lives of these people in these three days you know either either do one or the other don't don't half half ass one half ass the other go full blown in this now, some of the other things that I really liked about about this film is, as I mentioned, the cast. The cast is incredible, incredible cast, and a lot of the acting was really well done. The only person that the acting I wasn't digging with was Dermot Mulroney's character. I think I felt like a lot of the times he was he was too lighthearted, especially with some some of the things that his friends were were dealing with, and when he tried to act angry. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy his his anger. I did get I did find the chemistry between him and Laura Flynn Boyle's character. That I got really well. But his anger by the time that they came out at certain things, I didn't believe it and I thought it wasn't it didn't feel real. He felt like it felt like he was in a different movie at times compared to the rest. But there's, but because there's so many great actors and actresses in this film, it you didn't notice it as much because then when you got stories about Sean Astin, Balthazar, um, even Laura Flynn Boyle's char- character, it was really it was it was interesting and their acting really brought up the film. Another thing that I think I didn't think fit fit well with this was Adam Baldwin's char- character and Rachel Tinkleton. They were the police officers who were constantly bugging them, but I never got, I never understood their motivation. The only motivation I got was they were cops and this is what they had to, had to do. But a lot of the times they were trying to play them up like, like these two have been arresting the, arresting these people, taking them in for years now. Like it's just what they do. So by the time you got to the ending, you're supposed to feel for both our stars and you're also and you're also supposed to feel hardship on why the police had to do what they did that you don't really get both it doesn't satisfy satisfy for both i thought the cops were just kind of like an afterthought where it's oh god you know guys we need uh, you know there's too much uh we need something just, just throw in the throw in these two cops and sprinkle them them in periodically Another thing that I loved about the film was the music. I am not a Melissa Melissa Etheridge fan. Uh, Not to say that I don't like her music. I've just never 
delved into her music before. I've never sat down and gone through some of her discography, listened to her tracks, really gone in. I've never done that before. So when people come up to me and say, what do you think of Melissa Etheridge mu- music? I, my answer is, is usually, well, I don't know enough about her music to really give it a shot. But after this film, I am going to check out her music for sure. A lot of the music was songs taken from her first two albums, and they were incredible. They fit so well with this film. Like, they were perfectly mixed. They were perfectly used at the right times. Whoever the music director was for this film, or the music supervisor, great job. The songs were utilized perfectly. And again, coming out of this, I'm going to listen to more of her music because I thought, this is the music that she does? Especially her early work? Oh my God, what have I been missing? Thank God I had Shazam out. And I was just like, what's this song? What's this song? What's this song? Because now I've got a bunch of music about it. Overall, I I enjoyed the film. Overall, I liked the film. It was interesting. It, it was interesting to see what they did my biggest gripe about this film was i just think there might have been two or three movies in this that i would have liked to see them go a little bit further there are storylines in this that i would have liked to see flesh out a little bit more but what i did get was a nice meal i didn't get flame and yon but i had a really great chicken alfredo meal I know that's weird to mix, but I would suggest if you have the chance, see this movie. It's not going to blow you away. It's not going to, it's not, I don't think it's going to become one of your favorite movies of all time, but I think this is a really good movie, really interesting, interesting movie, and really great to see where a lot of these cast members came from. Now, one of the things that, really drew me to this film that most people may not have is I recently visited Los Angeles in October and I spent a few days in LA. So at times there were things that I was seeing like, oh, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. Now that has nothing to do with the film at all, but I think it's something that we all experience, especially when it's a far away place. Like, when I see things based in Toronto, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's in Toronto. And I've seen that. I've been there. But if you're in, if, if, if you see things in Italy or Germany or Europe or Asia and you say, I've been to that exact spot, it gives you a more interesting sense of the film. And it's got nothing to do with the film itself. It is It is just random happenstance but I tend to really like those, that kind of intangibleness you get seeing a place that you've been before and they're showing it all on screen. And I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of was drawn to this film a little bit more. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot has changed in LA since 92 compared to 2017, but there were still landmarks. There were still the places and buildings that I saw and I was like oh cool I went there or wait a minute I walked down the street did I walk past this without even realizing it so that was kind of a fun 
little thing that I was able to draw draw away. So again, the, this was the 1992 Where the Day t- Takes You. Um, the movie name is also hard to remember. I don't know why, but it's a movie title that I constantly was forgetting the movie title. It could have had a better title. But Where the Day Takes You, 1992, solid film. I would give it a recommendation. And that is it for today's episode. And I will see you at the next screening.